holy God, we do thank you that you continue to walk this journey with us and you invite us to avoid being distracted by the things of this world that would get us out of step with your spirit. As we seek to be connected to your word and to your spirit this morning, would you speak into our lives and help us to see that you have directions to give, that you have help to provide, and that you want to do this journey with us. And we will thank you and praise you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, our theme from the summer was based on Galatians 5.25 that tells us, since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But the question is, what does that look like? What does it feel like for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, when we're actually living in the flow of God's Spirit in our life? When we're walking hand in hand and and eye to eye with God's Spirit, what what does that do for us in our own experience of life, in our experience of church? How does that impact our marriages and our families? What does it feel like to, to live in step with the Spirit? And in many ways, I've shared that I'm coming back from our time this summer with a lot of more questions than answers and things that I would love for us to wrestle with as a church as we seek God's guidance and open ourselves to some new ways that God might be inviting us to experience not only life in the spirit, but life together. What does it look like and what does it feel like to be genuinely pursuing a real life together, which is our church's mission and vision statement. We want to pursue a real life together, connecting, growing, serving God and one another. What does that look like? And I've suggested there are three key things that maybe we can use to filter our decision-making on the journey ahead. And that number one is, is that I think we need to learn to travel light. Right? In order to keep better in step with the Spirit and to keep better in step with one another, often less is more. And sometimes in our over-busy and over-hectic schedules, we might be missing God's best, even for some of those things that are in our lives are, are even good things. And then the second thing that we're going to talk more about today is this idea of valuing and pursuing shared experiences. If you want to be more than just a tourist in life, You've got to have shared experiences with local people. And then ultimately, it leads to the third one, soul care, right? Soul care, soul care, soul care. The first and most important responsibility each Christian has is the stewardship of their own soul. Why? Because we are the best and only gift that we have to give to God and to one another. And if we're not caring for ourselves first and and being the best version of ourselves that we can be, then what we're giving God and others is the leftovers of our lives and not our best. It's a stewardship issue that we have to take seriously. God's invitation to all of us in this series, I believe, is to learn better how to travel light so that as we discover room in our lives to have more shared experiences with one another, we will learn to care for our own souls better and we will all become a true blessing to those around us. 
Last week, we talked about traveling light. This week, we're looking at shared experiences and where this idea of shared experiences come from in our lives from this summer as we discovered these things called Airbnb experiences while we were traveling, right? We took time to travel around the world, and Tammy was doing some research, and she found these Airbnb experiences where you can connect with local people, and they'll host you for an experience. And we got to meet a Japanese textile makers who's a fourth-generation textile maker and be in his shop and work on the hand looms and made our own little pieces of fabric. We met a, a, a gentleman who was a Japanese bookmaker for 50 years, and he would make his own handmade books, and we got to sit in his shop and hear his story and make our own journal books that we got to bring home with us. We made chain mail. We took bike rides uh, around the country. I mean, it was just so many experiences that changed the trip for us. You know, there were a couple times we took a tour bus, and what we discovered is we spent more time on that stinking bus than we did doing anything else, Right? And you get all these people who get on the bus and you go to the next thing and you look at it and you take your pictures and you get back on the bus. And my question is, how much of our experience of our own spiritual lives and our experience of church is kind of more touristy than it is a real life experience? And if we can rediscover how to pursue and value shared experiences together as Christians and invite other people into those shared experiences as well, will that be a more real life that we're inviting other people to experience in our own walk with Jesus? And I think it might be. I went back to the Airbnb website and I was looking for some of the quotes that they used to talk about experiences, right? They said, meet people from all over the world in small, intimate groups, Right? Learn from deeply knowledgeable hosts who are active members of their, their communities and love what they do. Hidden gems and personal stories. Doesn't that kind of sound like the way we, we imagine church could be? I think it does. If you want to be more than merely a tourist in life, you've got to have shared experiences with local people. How do we create shared experiences of life? rather than just busier routines or ministry programs at the church that look great on the outside and might even get people to come to attend, but it's more like riding down the tour bus and then we all just go home and it, it doesn't have any depth or authenticity to it. How much of people's experience of church and their experience of Christianity feels more like a program tour than a shared experience of real life? We looked at 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 10 in the introduction, and I want to go back to that today and spend a little more time unpacking uh, this passage for us. Peter starts in verse 7 by saying, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards, there's that word again, of God's grace in its various forms. Now he starts off with this challenge, challenging phrase, the end is near. And the question I asked two weeks ago is, is it? <laughs> is the end near? Well, I mean, honestly, the Bible would tell us that we can't say that we really know, right? Nobody knows when the end is coming except God alone. And yet, we also know you don't have to be alive too long on planet Earth that we don't really know when our time is due, do we? And so in many ways, the end could be very near for you. 
The end could be very near for me. We don't know. That's not in our control. That's not in our hands. And how does our perspective on the time that we have on planet Earth, whether it's a long time or a little time, impact the choices that we make with how we invest our time and our energy and what's most important in God's kingdom? Now, we're going to come back to that and at the end because I think there's some value there. But, but I think what, what Peter is trying to get at here is he says, you know, pay attention. Be aware. Stay clear-minded. Think soberly about the life you're living. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. And that's why we talked about traveling light being so important because this world can be so distracting. Think soberly about the life you're living so that you can focus on what's most important and you don't miss the opportunities that God might have for you in your own life, in your walk with him. Why do we want to pay attention? Why do we want to stay awake and, and, and sober in our relationship with God? So we can pray, right? That's the first step is, is that we need to be in prayer. And I think too often we think about prayer as this ritual activity that we, you know, we pray before the meal and we pray at church. And, and, and so we, you read a passage like this and, and, and it, you say, so you can pray. Well, that's just another routine, right? No, that's not what he's saying. Prayer is an open connection to the Heavenly Father that, that allows us to be in communication with the God of the universe who wants to speak into our lives and our situations. And if we're not paying attention to what's most important in life, we miss that opportunity to, to speak to God and to hear back from Him. And if we're not connected with God the Father in that intimate and personal way, then everything else falls short, right? Because we're not really achieving the purpose for why God saved us and brought us back into relationship with himself. He wants to love us and to help us and to empower us. But if we allow ourselves to get off track with the spirit and we get disconnected from the voice of God and the spirit of God in our lives, then we're just going through life in our own strength and our own wisdom. And it's really easy to get off track and to fall out of step with God and with one another. And we've said in this, we have to acknowledge our own weakness and our temptation to be distracted by life. Even as pastors, we fall victim to doing the work of God without taking time to truly connect with God, right? It's, it's so easy for all of us to think that somehow we have what it takes to do what God has called us to do without seeking God through prayer. See, we need to stay connected to the heart of the Father in order to see our lives clearly and to receive the strength and the wisdom that can only come from God. If we can do that, if we can stay connected with God and His Spirit and have that communication flowing, then Peter says in verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply. See, see loving God... And loving others are not mutually exclusive in God's economy, right? In fact, Jesus was the one who said, loving God and loving others has to go hand in hand. And if you're not loving others well, are you truly loving God? Because if we say we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength and everything that we have, but we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves, have we really understood what God's love is really all about? More than simply being a, a warm, fuzzy feeling for other people, right? Love is an attitude of the heart that intentionally seeks the good and the welfare of someone else in your life. 
Let me say that again. Rather than just being a warm, fuzzy feeling, love is an attitude of the heart that intentionally seeks the good and the welfare of someone else in your life. Now, now what does this look like for Peter? How do we know if we're loving others deeply? I'd like to suggest that the, the following verses help us to see and maybe feel what this kind of love looks like when it's lived out in Christian community. In verse 9, he says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Can I translate this for us? And I think what Peter is saying is that as Christian believers, we need to learn how to pursue shared experiences together. We got to be the ones who take the initiative to create hospitality opportunities where we're inviting other people into our lives, where we're spending time hosting people in activities, whether it's a meal in our home or it's something that we enjoy doing, and we're inviting them into our lives by making room and being hospitable to other people. And then once we invite them in and we have this shared experience, what we, what we have to give away, whatever God has gifted us with, God will empower us to use as what he gives us to bless others with. Offer hospitality to someone. Use your gifts to serve someone else. That's what love looks like when we're living it out. If biblical love is an attitude of the heart, that intentionally seeks the good and the welfare of another person, then hospitality is the doorway to love in action. Hospitality is the doorway to love in action. And I guess the question for us is, are we willing to open that door in our own lives? See, once the door is open, Peter says, you can use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Now, we know that this word gift in the original Greek uh, comes from the word charism, and gifts, multiple gifts, are charismata, and, and the root word for both of them is charis, which is grace. And, and this, this idea of gifts that we have to give to other people in God's name become a part of their experience of God's grace in their own life. You see, the two go hand in hand because we can't love God vertically if we're not loving our neighbor horizontally. But if we combine those two and understand how they work together, any gift that you have to give to someone else in hospitality and in service, God says he will show up. And through the power of his spirit, other people will experience that gift as God's grace in their lives. You see how evangelism isn't going knocking door to door and saying, have you heard the good news of Jesus, even though that might work? But what we can share God's grace and the good news of Jesus first and foremost by simply being people who do hospitality well. Grace is God's gift to us. And when we use our gifts in serving someone else, we become carriers of God's grace to others. Serving in the Bible is often pictured as someone else who's serving a meal, right? Serving at the table. Jesus talked about when the Son of Man returns, he will not come to be served, but as one who serves, and he will surely get up and serve at the table. Serving meals and having shared fellowship around the table is, is an intimate part of what Christian fellowship and, and the experience of church is supposed to be about. You see, in, in grace, 
God gives his spirit to us as a gift in which he intends for us to then pass on to others as we give gifts of hospitality and serving them. And so whatever gift you give, whether it's actually serving a meal or it's inviting other people to to share a hobby that you enjoy or even just going for a hike or a walk and making space in your life, that becomes a a gift of grace that is passed on. And you know what? It, It says that the Holy Spirit will empower that to become something that you and I can't control. Right? That's when it becomes a spiritual gift is when we give what we have in our own human strength and God comes and he takes his super and he puts it on our natural. And then we say, hey, praise God. Look at what he's done because I, I couldn't have done that in my own strength and wisdom. Peter goes so far as to say that there are two categories of these kinds of gifts that God will use if we open the door to hospitality as a way of loving people in our lives. In verse 11, he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Think about that. Anyone who speaks should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I don't think he means like we have the authority of God and the knowledge of God that whatever I say, I'm going to pontificate, thus saith the Lord, is exactly what God says. I think he's saying that that when we speak grace into people's lives and we seek to bless them and gift them, the Holy Spirit shows up and we trust and we believe that God's going to use that to be God's voice in their life. They're going to hear God's voice through our speech, through our blessing of others in our lives and in our relationships. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. See, when we use our own human strength to to offer a gift of blessing to someone else, do so with the the knowledge that God's going to give you strength beyond your own human capacity to make that experience something that is blessed by God. When we offer hospitality and we offer words and actions, God uses them and empowers them with his spirit and directs them for his divine purposes. This is, I think, getting closer to the heart of what does it mean for us as Faith Covenant Church to live a real life together? It's really simple, right? We can love one another well by offering hospitality and whatever gift you have, share it with somebody else. And yet, how hard is it for us as human beings in our modern American Western culture to even find time, energy, or space to do something that seems so simple and yet becomes the hardest thing for us to do in our lives with one another? Ultimately, if we can live life this way together, if we can encourage one another to make room in our lives to have more of these kinds of shared experiences, then we discover that in our life we're actually living out the purpose for why God saved us and called us to begin with. We're discovering God's purposes for our life. And what are God's purposes? Peter says, so that in all things... God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you. Isn't this the purpose for why we're here this morning? 
Isn't this the purpose for why we say we're believers? Why we're Christians in the first place? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. We come and we sing his praise every Sunday. We get on the tour bus and we go to church and we lift up the name of Jesus. But why is it so hard to actually love people in really simple and practical ways so that they're seeing the grace of God in their own lives? Why have we not had one new believer baptism at Faith Covenant Church in the last 12 months? The end is near. How seriously are we taking this mission that God has given us to share his grace, to be a blessing to others? It's not about getting spiritual notches on our gun belt and winning souls for Christ so that we can pat ourselves on the back and say how great we are. question is how deeply loving are we willing to be to a broken and a hurting world around us who needs the gift of God's grace in their lives and the only way that God has given us to do that is to open our own lives to people without grumbling and complaining but to offer hospitality and just use whatever we love whatever we're passionate about whatever gift we have whether it's five loaves and two fish or whatever the small meager thing that you have to offer God God says if you bring it to the throne and you offer it in service to his kingdom he will multiply it through his strength and his power and that's when it becomes a gift. Amen? Amen. God becomes real to real people when Jesus' followers use their words and their actions to intentionally bless others through shared experiences that we choose to pursue in a real life together. That is a huge challenge for me personally, men and women. And it's a huge challenge for us as a faith community. If we could figure this one out and live into this one well, I don't think we could contain the number of people who we'd want to fit in this room together at 10 on Sunday morning. As we value and we pursue shared experiences in our lives together, we may have to start to say no to some really good things that we might want to do as a church that would just create busyness and distraction from the best things that God wants us to experience and to offer to one another as a gift. The end is near, Peter says. The reality is we don't know how much time we have. And, and, and we, we challenged ourselves with this a couple weeks ago too, right? What if we knew that we, we only had one year left as Faith Covenant Church? September 1, 2020, for whatever reason, the economy was going to tank or we were all going to move away somewhere and it was going to be the end of what we had an opportunity to do together. We have one year left. Do you think it might change how we spend our time together this year? I think it would. If you had one year left with your family and you knew the end was coming and, and, and people have been in that situation, right? What would you do with your time? Don't you think you'd be pursuing shared experiences together? Don't you be thinking you want to sit down and have meals and, and do things that you enjoy and have as much time with those people that you love as possible? I think you would. I know I would. 
How do we take God's invitation to understand that life in this world is fleeting and temporary and all we have is this limited few years of life together and we can invest it in things that are going to make an eternal impact for God's kingdom? Would that change the way you view and value your own time and energy? Last week, uh, in addressing the topic of traveling light, I said, I I believe that busyness is a demonic strategy in our culture that that is intended to keep us as believers from being effective in our spiritual lives. And if that's true, if if you see that, if you believe that as well, then then this idea that the end is near should create a sense of urgency in us to want to figure out how to make this change, how to to make a difference, how to encourage one another to experience what it really feels like to live life in the flow of God's Spirit. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You want to be a good Christian? You you want to get all your brownie points in heaven? You You want to make sure that you're fulfilling the entire scripture? Carry each other's burdens. Make room in your life to carry someone else's burden, to be a blessing to them in their own lives. What is the law of Christ? We've already talked about it, right? The law of Christ is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength as you love your neighbor as yourself. When we get good at offering hospitality to one another and we use our words and our actions to be a blessing to one another, we're fulfilling the goal of what the Christian life is all about. See, when we understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and for the whole world, our response is simply to follow his example in, in, in loving others in the same way that we have been loved. That's, that's what Jesus has called us to. Discipleship isn't a program of an institutional church. It's a shared lifestyle of those who have been saved by Jesus and set free from their own sin and guilt so that we can pass on what we've been given in freedom and in joy. How do we carry one another's burdens? Peter's already laid it out for us. Pray with awareness of your circumstances in your life. Love others deeply. Practice hospitality in your life and serve someone, right? Pick someone and serve them. Offer them a gift of something that God has given you. If you want to be more than merely a tourist in life, you've got to have shared experiences with local people. I'm going to close with a an illustration of what I think some of our experience of church might be, and then we're going to get to come together to communion today as a family. And we're going to be reminded that it's not about how good we are, it's about how good God is, and that he is here through his spirit to provide the spiritual food and drink that we need to be able to be blessed and gifted to pass on to other people. I think sometimes that I I, I played football growing up in high school and early college, and every time we played football, we would have a, a big team meeting before the game, right? And we'd have another team meeting after the game. We'd watch the films of the plays, and we'd talk about what worked and what didn't work, and we'd come before the next game, and we'd get an inspirational speech from the coach, and we'd get all ready, and we'd go out and play the game, right? How how much of our experience of church is like coming to the pregame meeting, right? And we watch the films and we talk about the plays and we know what we're going to do. And then we all clap our hands and we go out and we we don't play the game until we come back to the next pre-meeting, 
pregame meeting, right? We learn, we adjust, we improve, but then we, we, we go out and we, we don't really get into the game. We, I, I think we run the risk of turning our pregame huddle meeting into the game itself. We invite other people to come and sit in on the team meeting. Hey, you got to come and be, be a part of the team, right? And we teach them the playbook and we, we run the videos and we, we teach them all about how to play the game. And then we go, see you next week. We never get them into the game. Is it that getting good at creating opportunities for shared experiences of life is really what it means to get ourselves into the game? To actually put what we, we believe into practice and, and, that, and that these team meetings are really important to, to be reminded of what our, our priorities are and to be inspired and empowered to, to go back onto the field and to play the game. But, but if we don't play the game between Sundays, are we just coming to the team meetings and think that this is the game? Is it possible that our goal should not be to get people into church? But to get church into the lives of people. Would that change the way we approach what we do? If the goal is not to get people into church, but to get church into the lives of people. The risk, men and women, is that we become satisfied with a touristy type of Christianity that maintains an appearance of participating and loving the culture around us, but doesn't really ever connect with local people who need God's good news. Maybe it needs to just start with our own family here. Maybe we need to get good at loving each other well and creating shared experiences together that then we can begin to invite others into. I'd like to close this morning by just reminding us that part of our genuinely pursuing a real life together, as Peter has shared in chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, is that we remember to pray with awareness, to learn to love one another deeply, to practice hospitality in our lives, and to serve someone else with the gift that you've been given. We will be learning how to truly carry one another's burdens and we will fulfill the law of Christ in our lives as we learn how to pursue shared experiences together.